Good evening, this is James. I'm live here on Berry Flow Upstream number 106, entitled Brookfield, here on July 3rd, 2016. Here with Brandon Orr, one of our resident... Is it, is it Torontonians? Is that how y'all are referring to? Toronto. Torontonians. No, you don't pronounce a T, man. Toronto. <laughs> Toronto. <laughs> We're also here with Blaze, editor-in-chief over at Crackberry. How are you both doing today? Doing good, man. I'm doing good. I'm doing so well. Uh, uh, Alex won't be here with us. He's actually traveling. I think he's headed to Boston. He talked about this with us last week. I forgot exactly what he was doing, but uh, I'll try to get in touch with him, see if we can uh, he'll say hi or something. But we'll start I think out this on. is only like the second show that Alex has missed, isn't it? Yeah, if if that. He might he might have missed like one and a half shows. <laughs> Good for him, though. He's, he's getting out of the house, you know? He's, he's meeting yeah. people and stuff, socializing. Yeah, I think it probably is like a networking event that he's going to or something like that to uh, to expand his Alexness everywhere. But <laughs> I'm gonna get uh, rolling on our list here, guys. We have just a couple things to talk about, right? Another week in BlackBerry. I don't really want to kind of flow with the normal topic list that we we have. I just kind of want to like talk to these guys. So, Blaze, what did you think about this YouTube video, the one from the AGM that they put out after the fact, like? It was just such a different type of marketing style from what we've seen. It, it, were you impressed by it? Uh, do you think it was the right message to deliver at an AGM? Tell us a little bit about that that video. Honestly, I think it was probably one of the best videos that BlackBerry has ever produced. <laughs> it like uh, it, you know it sort of as they noted during the call, it was kind of like a little history lesson behind BlackBerry and you know basically uh, where they've been and essentially where they're going. I. I absolutely believe that they should probably have it like cut down and put on TV in some sort of way, but yeah, chances of that happening are probably pretty slim at this point. Because I don't, I don't necessarily think that it was put together as like a marketing video. It was more like a, you know, they even said in in the YouTube comments that it was like a corporate video shared at a corporate event. So I don't expect we'll see it on TV, but it's kind of unfortunate that that's the case because it really was one of the. Uh, one of the most impressive videos that BlackBerry has put out in terms of any sort of marketing material at all that they, have, you know, from the past. Yeah, I was quite pleased it's with it. I thought it was one of the best uh, material um, videos that they had produced, actually. And um, echoing what Blaze said, if they, I vision, I can see that kind of being played at a movie theater. I know, in one of those opening commercials or something for a company. Uh, but I, my, the most impactful part I found was when they sh zoom in from a, from the map and you see the different locales, like New York during September 11th, uh, Haiti after the earthquake, and then uh, UCLA. And they show that stuff. I think if they were going to put it on TV somehow, maybe just cut it off after those really impactful things and then just go directly to the end part where it says we're honored to continue securing, working together to secure everybody and stuff like that. Uh, because after that point, I was kind of like, okay, yeah, these are all the different things that they're in and stuff, but it wasn't as impactful. I think the, the beginning part of that video was really emotional, and I started getting, like, goosebumps and stuff. I'm like, you know what? Like... I kind of forgot about this, but I remember during those those events that, uh, on me personally, they had a really big impact on me, especially September 11th. I think uh, everybody 
who's my age or older, or maybe even younger than me, can can remember where they were that day and how big of a deal it was, and just to see how much of how much BlackBerry really did to you know keep people sane during those times and give people a lifeline in such a difficult situation. I think it's one of those things where it's a good throwback to those times. It's saying, hey, we've we've always been secure since back then, and today we're just changing how we do things now, but we're still not out of the race. I definitely think they need to do some kind of like education to the customer, uh, especially to those who just think BlackBerry's dead, right? How many times do, a day or, or a week do we do we hear someone saying, you know, oh, BlackBerry? I thought BlackBerry was, you know, already uh, out of the picture. Uh, I want to read a little bit of the description here on this connected, protected video that we're talking about, which you can find on BlackBerry's YouTube. It was posted on the 30th, but it's one of it's just like a, one of these things. It's like, are you telling this as part of like the messaging, or are you really this out of touch with what like how to sell yourself? So. The description goes, BlackBerry has a proud history of connecting people through secure mobile communications at work and at play. But the true measure of our technology and the thing we're most passionate about is the reassuring response it provides under extraordinary circumstances. One of our UX designers made this video to honor and illustrate that legacy. It was just shown at a company meeting and employees loved it so much that they asked if we could share it with everyone. And then it goes on to like more of the messaging. I just found it interesting that like <laughs> the employees themselves had to get BlackBerry to put this out there, right? Uh, I just wish they kind of shared their best material all the time, you know, instead of dumbing it down for the consumer. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 like you you see something like that, which you can tell is created by someone who has an intense care for the product and actually. You know, gives a damn about the product, and then you look at the advertisement and marketing that they had for the priv, and it's kind of like, you know, like that that just didn't have Why that same type of thing. Why was designer building priv commercials? You know what I mean? <laughs> it's, it's almost, this guy probably did it for way cheaper too, and the quality, to me at least, me personally, seems to be leaps and bounds better than what we saw for the priv marketing. It's yeah. it's. It's awkward because at the end of the day, it's like BlackBerry has these pockets of assets but doesn't necessarily know in all ways how they can interconnect them to deliver and execute on a better vision for themselves. Regardless, I think it's kind of positive to see, especially like at the very end of that video where it's flashing all the badges of the recent acquisitions made under John Chen's era at BlackBerry. And it, and it just re-enhances a, a focus on we are more than hardware, right? Like where we are a software company now. And here's how we're going to take that forward. So it's a really interesting video. You know, go check it out on, on BlackBerry's YouTube. Uh, it, it's a good comeback from that really creepy, connected, protected video. Uh, <laughs> 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 like the really enthralling piano music. And like, <laughs> yeah, definitely a different change of pace. Although I saw some of that assets, uh, some of those assets from that video that we saw on their Instagram and that they put on YouTube eventually. I saw that in some of the billboard marketing that they did in New York. So it's kind of interesting that they're yeah. actually using that campaign in a, in a broader way. Again, well, you know, to say BlackBerry doesn't market is you know, maybe not as true as it used to be, but they're out there doing what they can, you know? I think it's kind of one of those things where I think when you work in, in a corporation like BlackBerry and you constantly get this feedback that, like, okay, we're the most secure, we're the most secure, they start to think that, you know, everybody else automatically assumes that they're the most secure platform and everything. But sometimes, you know... It, it's easy for people outside of that kind of framework to for, to forget 
uh, that that they do all these different things, right? And so that's why, like, I can imagine, I can, I can understand why when they get big opportunities to market things, like the Super Bowl and whatever, they don't really focus on their bread and butter because they just assume everybody knows about that. So they want to, you know, focus on different aspects of it. Aspects of it. But in, in my point of view, I think it's if they want to market, for instance, upcoming devices and things like that. I think they have to go back to their core and really push those values that that everybody really goes to a BlackBerry for. And and I wonder if that's the conversation that's happening in this new pop-up store that BlackBerry has. I mean, over at Brookfield Place in New York, it's a really like kind of urban shopping area and stuff, and BlackBerry's got a pop-up store there now. And basically, linked align with Shop BlackBerry, able to sell devices, right, and give some good discounts. I think they're offering up to like $225 off phones there at that store. So like you can go pick up a Leap for... Like under 100 bucks, and Leap is the awesome phone for for someone who could you know make some use of it. Blaze, uh, what have you heard? Have you heard anything going on at that store? Like you know any kind of talk of like has the reception been good, bad, and different in some of the comments you've read? Well, here's the thing: is that I mean most of the comments that I've gathered have essentially all come from the Crackberry forums, and um, one of our writers, Alicia, went by there as well. And, I mean, everybody who has stopped by and essentially dealt with the, the people that are working there have had, you know, great experiences with it. And, they you know, they most mostly detailed how the experience went and, you know, the conversations that were had there. Like, Alicia was talking to the representative there, and she he allowed them to go ahead and take some pictures and everything like that. And, you know, the conversation was, yeah, you know, we're basically just trying to go ahead and, get some phones out there, create some education and awareness that BlackBerry's still alive and all that sort of uh, scenario. Um, interestingly enough, one, one of the guys did, whether or, not, whether or not there's any sort of situation in reality there to it, but he did say that um, uh, uh, that you know when the next new device is essentially released, they're going to be selling it at that store. And I'm obviously not going to say who put that out there, but <laughs> that is one of the comments that was made during one of the visits that when the next device does come out that they're going to end up selling it at that pop-up store. So that's that's one interesting aspect that has uh, has come out of that situation. But I mean, I, I mean, I haven't had the opportunity to go there myself. I don't know, don't know what the sale process is like. Um, you know, do they do they have the devices directly there to be able to go ahead and and say, you know, here, check it out. They, I mean, we we can tell by the photos that they have demo units and accessories and all that stuff. But when it comes down to the retail process, as far as I know, it it's kind of like, from what I've heard, anyways, they make you log on to Shop BlackBerry in order to be able to go ahead and process it. What may may not necessarily be the best if that is exactly the scenario. But you know, from from everybody who who has stopped by the location. Um, there's been nothing but good comments about it. So, I've, I heard from someone who visited as well that they had a pretty good sales week as well just to open up, and that was prior to the discounts dropping. So hopefully that's a, that's a momentum they can keep doing out there. Um, I, I'm interested to see like kind of why, why a pop-up store, why now? And I, fi I find it very interesting when you kind of take a deeper look at you know Brookfield itself and kind of going into the whole locality and, and its relationship with BlackBerry, but... I'm glad that there's an extension out there who's at least going to educate some people walking by, right? I'd love to see some of these pop up in airports and things like that and other transit areas where, you know, the type of people BlackBerry wants to go after 
uh, you know, are. But you know, they've had a one of those strategies before in the past, and they've closed down those stores. And then, you know, do, re, 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 you know, going back down that route that didn't work for you before. I don't know if that's something BlackBerry would do. You know. I mean, when it comes down to it, I don't, I don't necessarily think that like having those stores in airport locations was necessarily the best either. Because, I mean, yeah, it was cool that they existed, and you know, it was probably cool to be able to swing by and pick up a few accessories or something like that. But, I mean, as as we mentioned, we were discussing a little bit of this before we went on air. How many people are walking around with like six hundred, seven hundred dollars in their pockets? just waiting to buy a cell phone walking down the street, you know what I mean? When I'm in an airport, the last thing I'm thinking about is actually purchasing a cell phone. I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm just trying to get to my, my next spot where I have to catch my airplane or grab some food in the, in the middle of a layover. I'm not contemplating purchasing, you know, $700, $800 smartphone while I'm, I'm traveling. Let, let a little Blackberry. Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, it was, it was probably a great opportunity to have those things in there, but I don't necessarily think that, you know, they should rule out any, opening up any further locations just based on the experience that was felt throughout the airports and stuff like that. I believe, you know, they should probably experiment some more with some more pop-up shops and put them in random places and, and spread that uh, spread that awareness and it doesn't necessarily have to be something expensive. And also, I kind of I kind of laugh at the people who are like, well, there doesn't seem to be many customers. Well, of course not. I mean, most of the pictures, obviously, you're going to respect your surroundings as well. You're not going to take a bunch of pictures of any people that are crowding around in, like, a random pop-up shop either because that's, you know, that's not appropriate. You wait until the people, when whatever people are visiting there, you sort of vacate so that you can actually go ahead and take the picture. You're not going to invade people's privacy by going ahead and taking pictures while they're discussing something with the sales representative. So I find I, that kind of amusing. <laughs> I got to say, over this past year and a half at BlackBerry, it's been an interesting shift in how they funnel devices out to, to customers. I mean, two years ago, we were asking and begging them to sell devices directly because the only way you could purchase a device was through a carrier and often... Yeah. It was more hassle than what than it was worth to 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 get a BlackBerry device from a carrier, and now we see more of a hands-on approach from BlackBerry, where they're kind of saying, "Okay, let's just take care of this ourselves and see if we can, you know, pass on the devices from our end directly to the customers and cut out that middleman." I like this trend that we're seeing with BlackBerry. I, I kind of wish they would just push that even further because um, one thing that I know fragments a lot of the user base is carrier updates and, and that's just one area that I know frustrates a lot of people the fact that you have the same device you pay just as good money for your device that you bought unlocked from AT&T or, or Sprint or not Sprint I mean or T-Mobile or, or factory unlocked uh, BlackBerry Priv, for instance, and then there's a fragmentation between what updates you can and cannot get, even though you have the same hardware, right? And and I think I would I would kind of like to see BlackBerry move towards a more of a one plus one approach, where you know it's basically they just sell the devices all themselves, and if people want to purchase it from them, that's a great way that people can purchase them. Because to be honest, I and I'm sure maybe you guys have some better insights on this, but I'm not sure that the 
like especially in the state in the states, I don't think carriers are really doing too much to help them. And in often cases, um, you get comments from carriers with, that actually detract from the message that BlackBerry wants to give out and makes it seem mm -hmm. like they're doing worse than they really are. Yeah, I I mean I totally agree with that aspect of it. I wish that they would be able to go ahead and force more of a one-on-one relationship. Um, you know, the, it, the carrier issue is something that we've always sort of addressed. You know, when you walk into a carrier store, when you have bad demo units, whether they be, you know, locked down with those bands that you can't actually use the device or whether or not it's like the representative telling you, well, why do you even want to buy a BlackBerry? Let me show you the Samsung or let me show you this iPhone. I mean, those scenarios are always hurtful towards you know, BlackBerry's bottom line because they're taking away at that point. And sometimes, I mean, it's kind of like a, a a scenario where you have to look at it, like which one is actually beneficial on the end. Like, is it really beneficial to have the devices in stores where they're probably just getting bad-mouthed anyways? I mean, there's there's a balance of good versus evil there when it comes to that, but... I mean, I would like to. I would like to see BlackBerry move towards, like you say, a one plus one approach, and and basically offer it up more so directly as we we've, we've seen them sort of move towards, right? Um, but at the same yeah. time, I I also question what that what that does to what that does to awareness of the actual product as well, because I mean, there's there's a lot of things that the carriers like you can't. I mean. It, under the one plus one scenario, they're basically selling their device for what is it, three ninety nine in the U.S. You can buy a yep. one plus three. BlackBerry would have to go ahead and get their get. They would have to get some sort of, of grasp on their pricing to be able to go ahead and make it beneficial for people to go ahead and purchase from them directly. You know what I mean? Because right now, purchasing directly from BlackBerry basically means one thing, or two things. Let's let's say it means two things. You're going to get your updates quicker, but you're also going to pay more than if you actually go into a carrier store and purchase your device, right? And that's that's yeah. kind of like the, the staying factor. When people, at the end of the day, people are like looking at their pocketbooks and saying, how much money am I spending? So if BlackBerry <laughs> could go ahead and get a grasp on their pricing better, I think that the direct-to-retailer approach would be better. And and then you and then you think about TCL, right? It, it, Alex, is that is it you over there with the fresh cut? Yeah, <laughs> got a haircut. How's it going? What are you guys talking about? Looking good, man. Thanks. Blaze was talking about the cost structure that BlackBerry needs to be running with on these next devices they got coming up, and you know, what are you doing, man? Why aren't you Why aren't you officially joined us right now? I'm in Boston. I'm in my buddy's apartment. I'll go show you outside through the window. Nice little complex going on here. Yeah, you are you are using your priv to oh, to chat? What would you expect? Of are you on, are you on Wi-Fi too, or are you just on the air right now? No, I'm on Wi-Fi. Um, the the reception isn't the best here. So will the uh, smoke alarm go off soon because of the heat from <laughs> the priv? Or? Oh yes, I've been having <laughs> problems with my priv. That is correct. Yeah. <laughs> you already told us the the workaround was like sticking it in the freezer, which, by the way, to anyone watching, is not advised. I did not say that. You put it in front of a fan, you'll be all right. <laughs> cool it down. Yes. Well, man, we're gonna let you get back at it, man. Thanks for hopping on, saying hi. I kind of want to say for uh, a little bit. Keep going. Oh, I was gonna kick you off. <laughs> Ejects Alex from the conversation. Yeah, don't do that again. <laughs> so you know, Blaze was talking about you know. 
what kind of cost structure if BlackBerry were to go like in a one plus one route to like, kind of one on one with their customers, right? Making sure they're selling these devices out, they'd really have to get a control over how much these devices cost. And we're looking at this new Neon device coming, right? There's this mid-range type all-touch factor that we're going to be getting that looks like an Alcatel Idol 4 or something like that, kind of with a BlackBerry branding. If a device like that comes and they can hit a 399 type price range or even a 400, you know, somewhere in that range, is that the kind of device that's going to enable them to follow that strategy? I still feel like BlackBerry, in terms of like the branding of the company and everything, is not necessarily aligned with direct-to-consumer sales. Yeah, but they have I, to start somewhere. I, I personally don't think they should be venturing down the all-touch route right now. I just I think they should be focusing on what they're like their key. Like what they're known for is the keyboard. Every review I've seen from Android people. Um, even big names and stuff. Everything they mark first is how much they're excited to use a keyboard again on Android. And when it comes to touch keyboard and as a touch phone, like it's it's really not going to garner much interest. And I'm not sure BlackBerry as a name, it, it, even if they drop the price, I'm not sure people are going to opt for a BlackBerry over a OnePlus or or you know even other devices. I just don't. I just don't. They, I don't see the value add from that perspective, and I don't think that the add-ons that they have, however good they are on Android, will necessarily provide that value add either. And that's why I'm out. If I was in BlackBerry's position, I would personally put the Mercury first, garner some goodwill, and have some people be excited about the keyboard and stuff like that, and hopefully that'll generate enough of a good name and goodwill that people will be willing to look at some of these touch devices afterwards. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I, I personally don't see it an all-touch device being it, having the wind blow in their favor. So to speak. I agree with that with, the, with one exception and that's basically because of the fact that there are a lot of current BlackBerry users out there that have been longing for a brand new all-touch device. Granted, it's probably a, a BlackBerry 10 all-touch that yeah. they really want, but <laughs> at the end of the day, there's still a lot of current BlackBerry users out there that want a BlackBerry device with an all-touch because we haven't had one in a long period of time, right? So whether or not that that is enough to basically add some profitability to the hardware side, I don't know, but... I'm just saying that, like, I agree with you in the order of everything, but there's still a lot of people out there that want an all-touch device. But, again, that's pretty much on the uh, on the uh, BlackBerry 10 side, not necessarily on the Android side of things. Yeah, I mean, their company is built fully around just building um, just a nice device. There's the OnePlus, OnePlus 1, OnePlus 2, OnePlus 3, and, like, they are building a cheap phone that has nice specs in the Android space. BlackBerry, all they can really offer is a security solution, which doesn't matter to the average consumer. They That matters towards enterprise. So are people going to be paying a premium for security? Enterprise may, but the average consumer won't. And there's too many companies out there right now that offer the perfect solution uh, lower end. There's, there's really no place in the hardware market, and I'll touch for BlackBerry, in my honest opinion. They have to stick with the keyboards, or else they have no unique value proposition and their brand, it's almost like we've talked about it, their brand is almost a negative thing at this point. People hear BlackBerry and it's not a good thing, so you can't say, you know, they should try and get into this cheap 
uh, I'll touch market because they already have an existing brand. That's not even necessarily a good thing. I mean, pe keep people away from them. So, I don't know. It, it, I agree with you to the extent that they shouldn't, you know. But but here here's one of my factors, right? If 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 indeed, and again, this is a big bit of speculation. So until BlackBerry really confirms anything, you know, take take this with a a grain of skepticism. But if the BlackBerry devices to you know e even this all touch to come this mid-range is something like a rebranded idol 4 you know or is that device through and through <laughs> it allows them to basically be able to go over and hit a price point and allow Alcatel to breach into the US market in a better way you know and under a different brand so I, I wonder if that kind of partnership is something that could could evolve into more in terms of you know having someone build devices because Blaze you mentioned on last upstream there are other partners that they have and they've had throughout you know some of their device uh, you know hardware cycles so I wonder is is an idle 4 or something like that you know a decent mid-range all-touch factor something that's gonna appease the people that are BlackBerry 10 loyalists who want to jump forward, like you know, those people who want an upgrade to their Z10 and Z30, like, and, and in terms of that, in the enterprise space, you got to imagine that there's just a lot of people because we always talk about how you know business people are also consumers, right? A lot of them enjoy already an all-touch form factor. So if they're able to launch a BlackBerry that is another all-touch, it may be just what a lot of people have been asking for, especially if it performs as well as you know the hardware would imply. I think if they get the software to be at a point, their software and services, so like the hub on Android, if they can really get it working how it was working on BlackBerry 10, which we've talked about, I don't really think they can do that, but if they started getting these things working that well, then absolutely, like if you could rebrand a hardware uh, by another company and just say BlackBerry and throw your services on there, your software, that can absolutely make sense, but I mean I've been using the Priv and some of their software is great, I just don't think it's a buying uh, feature yet. They're not at that level and a lot of people are sideloading anyway. Like the keyboard is great but there are also a lot of other great keyboards that like I don't think someone should buy this phone for the virtual keyboard by BlackBerry even though it is a great keyboard. So I don't think their services are there yet. And that's something, that's something that John Chan seemingly wants to start selling, you know, have it out there in Google Play and available so people aren't just, you know, sideloading it. Which And if they can monetize that on other devices through licensing, I mean, th absolutely. that's something they can, they can grow upon as well. That's a better play. Like, why would you not have some? If they really got the hub working that well, why not make some type of subscription, whether it was like a dollar a year, and actually make money from the software and open it up to the 1.6 billion Android users? That makes so much more sense than trying to make a little bit of money on the hardware division. As Chen even said, hardware is not going to be the future. Smartphones really aren't the future. It's the software running on these these devices and tablets and whatever. Whatever. We don't even know exactly what they're going to be in the future, but it's the software that's not the hardware. All this stuff about licensing and, and the hardware costs and the new agreements and all that stuff really it makes me wonder it, not even necessarily wonder it makes me believe that there's something further going on in terms of the relationship between TCL and Alcatel and Blackberry because when it comes down to it I think I mean we've all we, we've all all heard the rumors and seen the the renders and everything like that. Like it basically just the neon looks like an Alcatel Idol 4 rebranded with a BlackBerry logo on it. Whatever. I'm not very hype over that. It doesn't really excite me to a point where I'm like, oh my god, I have to have this. I mean, 
it's interesting, but I think I think the really interesting thing is the further deeper relationship here. I don't think it comes down to something as cut and dry as BlackBerry has partnered with an ODM to be able to go ahead and rebrand some devices. I actually think that there's some further licensing going on there. And like James said, it's Alcatel's opportunity to go ahead and sort of break into the North American market in a larger way. I think... And, and- and the inverse of that blaze too, right? Yeah. Because now BlackBerry can get their software into China as well. Like it exactly. works and, both and that's, ways. That's that's the part that comes down to like you said it, the software. BlackBerry can get their software. I think at this point the relationship goes beyond just building devices. It goes yeah. down to like, okay, maybe maybe Alcatel has sort of licensed the BlackBerry stuff, the BlackBerry software, they got the BlackBerry Hub, they got the BlackBerry DTEC, they got all that stuff. I think there's some sort of deeper mutual agreement going on there. Like I said, it's not just Alcatel building BlackBerry hardware, it's Alcatel building BlackBerry hardware, but also Alcatel licensing BlackBerry software at the same time. So it's a mutual agreement. Like, the money is going both ways, you know what I mean? Like, Alcatel is probably paying BlackBerry for some of their licensing on the software side of things, but BlackBerry is paying Alcatel to go ahead and build these devices for them at a lower cost. You know, uh, does that make sense to you guys? Like what I'm trying yeah, to get yeah, here? Because we've yeah. talked about it too, where like Samsung, for instance, and to think and expand. Sorry, and expanding on that, really, there's even more in terms of how that's all going to display on the earnings call and on the balance sheet, right? That's all going to be mobility solutions growth. So it's like a double-down strategy on growing the hardware sector. And again, if we are focused on, you know, BlackBerry making future devices and having a longer stay in this space, this is a way to, again, get there very, very quickly, right? To make the balance sheet green across and really start driving growth. And if BlackBerry is at a growth phase, this is the kind of business deal and or, and or partnership that needs to happen. And we don't know the extent and scope as well. We're also seeing BBM on the other side, right? Talking about BBM APIs to allow social content and interaction by strategic partners. I mean, a BBM API is something that we've been talking about and wanting for a while, yeah. right? So maybe the access and and you know cross-platform mentality that BlackBerry's taking on maybe expanding even more. You know, uh, even as Blaze said, outside of the ODM structure. Brandon, why don't you tell our upstream listeners, you know, what device you are using now and uh, the recent purchase that you made. So right now I'm using a passport, and I just bought a Tizen. <laughs> just kidding. Now. I bought a. I bought you can a buy priv, those. Uh, I bought a Priv last weekend, and I'm super excited. But it's an AT&T unlocked one, so uh, we'll see how long the excitement lasts for. Um, but yeah, I mean, <clears throat> me personally, I love BlackBerry 10. I wish I could stay on it, but the writing's kind of on the wall for me personally, and I just kind of. I, I don't want to be constantly looking for for alternatives to to those apps I want to use. And, I mean, ideally what we would want is a BlackBerry 10 with Google services and, and all that jazz, right? But uh, it doesn't look like those cards are at play anymore or even remotely being looked at. So I'm excited to get my Priv, uh, but it's from eBay, so shipping all to Canada, and there's a Canada post strike, so... I might actually get it after the Neon releases, so we'll see. 
<laughs> no one can as opposed to you. Lucky if you get it at all. <laughs> I just shoot something out through USPS, and I'm like the same way with the July 4th holiday. Like, it's not going anywhere. It's sitting right there till all of that uh, waves over. So, you know, I'm, I'm kind of interested in in these all touches, and, and maybe there's another one, you know, like, BlackBerry is just ridiculous right now, but uh, they're going to go all out, it seems, and, and really build something for us, and hopefully they can really double down again on that market space. July here's 9th, the, yeah, go ahead. The other, here's the other concern that I have, like, with these device rumors, okay, we know, we know that the device rumors are basically all based on Android, there's not a BlackBerry 10 device that's listed there, however, when it comes down to the mention of who is actually building these devices, the only the only solid information at this point is that okay the neon or hamburg whatever the hell you want to call it this time around is built by alcatel or tcl right but nobody has mentioned who's essentially building any of the other devices or who has essentially designed them because if you look at the mercury there's no alcatel device out there that looks like the mercury so who the hell's building it like should we automatically should we automatically Apple, assume... Apple is building a BlackBerry. Well, I mean, <laughs> when you, as, I, I sort of choked about that because in terms of the render of the Mercury, yeah. when you look at it, what does it look like? It looks yeah. like an iPhone I, running Android with a BlackBerry keyboard. Like, how the hell can you screw that up? It's sort of like it hits every segment of the market. Like, it's probably the most user-appealable device because it looks... Like everything else that is popular, it covers all of the bases. It looks like an iPhone, it runs Android, and it has a BlackBerry keyboard. It's if literally it like, like the dream iPhone. device, which makes me like look at that render like super sketchy. I'm like, really? Did, who Come made on. that render though? Yeah. Like, I, I, don't know. It, I forget it, where like, I read I don't this. That at all. The uh, internet I'm gonna, read this. I'm gonna be honest and say that I absolutely dislike the scenario that we have with all the renders going on because every time somebody puts out a picture as we've seen in the past couple of days everybody assumes that the picture is legitimate when we know like people who have followed the information know that that picture was just created it wasn't it's not based it's based on real world experiences off of the information that people have been relaying okay the neon is going to look like an Alcatel Idol 4 so we're gonna go ahead and create a picture of an Alcatel Idol 4 with a BlackBerry logo on it. But the problem with that is that yeah. the majority of the people, the majority of the, um, let's just say the writers and, and the press and the media are not covering it in reality. Like, if you, re if you yeah. read some of the headlines, the headlines were like, press render leaks out for the BlackBerry Hamburg slash Neon, whatever you want to call it. That's not a press render. It was created. It is a render based off of personal experiences and information that has been relayed. It is not a press render from BlackBerry. It's not real. Yeah. It's not verified. There's no verified source to that unless, an, uh, other than an unknown, unnamed source from uh, a certain news outlet. New, it, BlackBerry it was news outlet. Just tell us it was you, man. We know it was you. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't see that at TIFF. So I, I can't confirm it, but <laughs> that's exactly it. The like, only the only neon he saw were the neon lights out of the bar he left during TIFF. <laughs> it's like it just I, I've even joked on it in the Crackberry forums. I'm like I'm just gonna draw some crap on a napkin and say that that's the latest leaked render because I mean it's pretty much what the basis of it is today. 
anybody can go ahead and toss something up, and the next thing you know, the headlines are, you know, leaked press run. Like, like, were you gonna ju- like draw like a literal piece of crap and like this is the next well, BlackBerry or? <laughs> well, maybe. I mean, chances are some people would believe it. So. <laughs> yeah, I think people it's... like forget forget when we look back at BlackBerry hardware that there have been a lot of hardware partnerships and something with TCL, Alcatel, whatever is not out of the scope of what BlackBerry's done. A brand into like. Even Foxconn, right, with BlackBerry? Yeah. Well, I. the thing that's funny about it is that when Chen made the Foxconn deal, it was a five-year deal, and, and now I think we're only like two and a half years through that, if not less. Um, and I forget where I heard it. I think it was on CNBC, but excuse me, I have a bad memory. But I heard uh, that maybe Chen isn't so happy with the Foxconn deal, and now yeah. he's looking for some other partnerships, right? And... And I think that goes in line with what we're seeing here with Alcatel, but I think it's really going to come down to Foxconn was just expensive for producing devices. I I have to believe that the fact that the Priv was so expensive and some of their other devices were so expensive is because they had a flagship manufacturer, Foxconn, who does Apple devices as well, who was charging a premium for it. And then you got to wonder, you have somebody like OnePlus making devices at half the price with better specs and it makes you wonder hey like how come these people can reduce cost and they're like the volume that they're selling and probably isn't super huge either right so I mean I, I have to imagine that there's got to be better partnerships to be had and that's what Chen is kind of looking for now uh, another, another part of that Brandon as well price. is that yeah, hopefully that does come through in the price piece. I'm when I think back to the Foxconn deal as well, is like they wanted to be able to hit those Indonesian markets and that whole Asia Pac area, and that's where they were doing the manufacturing to a degree over there with the Foxconn deal. So I know they did some different, you know, sales agreements for distributorship in that region through Foxconn directly. So it took a piece off BlackBerry's kind of table when they did that. You know, the deal's still on the table, too, so they could always go back and, you know, try to communicate on something else. But there's also Winstron and, and so many others that BlackBerry has used over the years. Even with Priv, like, it's a really well-built device, you know, for the most part, aside from the, the weird weirdness here and there, like Alex's, you know, being able to cook an egg on his. <laughs> Alex, right now, in, in terms of your, your chat, is it, like, is it hot for you, like, in the hand? I don't know. Um, it's getting a tiny bit warm. It's not bad at all right now, though. Um, it's... It seems to be kind of at random times, um, especially when I'm within, like, live streaming apps. I'm surprised that it's not as warm as it is right now. I'm not going to say. You you guys already know, like, stuff that would go pretty crazy. I find it kind of amusing that the only one, well, at least from what I know and everything that has been relayed, I find it amusing that only, like, the AT&T ones are the remaining ones that tend to get hot, and they, they flash that cool-down message. You know, the one the message that comes up and it's like, your device is too hot. It needs to cool down. Someone brought up, though, because, like, the Passport, it has that steel or that metal, like, ring around it, and that might help to... Um, Dissipate heat? Yes. That, that could, the word did not come out right. The heat <laughs> was... The Priv really doesn't have anything for that. So is is that the reason or, or is it just, you know, between Android, the the Snapdragon 808 and uh, full device encryption, just all of those things, is that what it is? Is it the device's hardware fault or is it other reasons? No, I think it, I, I want to say that, that it comes down to hardware. But... It's, well, it's one of those things that like, you know, some device manufacturers are building in cooling like 
so that they can predict and lower the heat and temperature. So I think it's something yeah. you gotta like account for, but it's not necessarily accounted for the best on some devices. It also it's doesn't. Like, it, when you say it's hardware, it also doesn't explain like okay. Some people used to experience it on the Priz, but with the Marshmallow update, it kind of stopped for them. So it seems to me it's probably like a combination of software and hardware to a certain degree because, again, if people had it previously updated to Marshmallow and no longer have that problem, or at least not to the extent that it was, then you know there's some sort of combination there. And with AT&T essentially being the only devices that have not received Marshmallow, in any great capacity, except for the beta form, you know, those are the only devices that we're seeing left. Yeah, I mean, I'm on the beta, and I thought, like, when I updated to Marshmallow, I thought things got better, but then I gave it, you know, a week or two, and then it started to, to happen again. Um, I think it really depends a lot on the type of apps that you use, and, I, like, it really does not like... Google Play Music plus Google Maps both running at the same time. Like, it does not like that at all. It uses up a ton of RAM, and it starts cooking the phone up. So it's very specific apps that have these problems, it seems. you, you got to think about it from this perspective. You have uh, PlayStations and Xboxes and every other type of computer that has huge fans to ensure that the heat can be dissipated and you know it doesn't get too hot. But then you look at uh, you look at mobile devices, and they don't really have, in as far <laughs> yeah. as I know, they don't really have huge honking fans to cool the devices. Right, you're, they're basically being enclosed in small spaces in your pocket, which is naturally warm, in your palm of your hand, which is warm, and stuff like that. And basically, the only real cooling they get um, is from the ex the ambient temperature and and. Cool it's air that's around Samsung's device, and right? some of the later Windows 10 phones, they all had like liquid cooling designed inside, like you know, so that it would control the heat. And I think that on a Blackberry would just be like a godsend, and and really yeah. like that on a BB10 device would even be like amazing. Like the fluidity would be out of this world. Everything's but running cool. You're comparing it to like laptops and uh, you know other phones aren't having this much of a problem. There are some phones that are having this problem, but the point is, compare it to other phones on the market, like our iPhone's getting really warm, our other Android flagship Android's getting warm. And all phones get warm, but not as much. Like, I have friends who have other Android devices, and they've never in their life seen that message pop up. So the fact that I've seen it twice in a day, like, that's obviously something going on with the phone. It's not because it doesn't have a fan or something. There that's are other weird. problems. It it's weird for you as well because it's just like when you're running some random apps. Like for me, it happened when I was outside in the heat, which I kind of understood. But at the same point, it was also like, really, it's not that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm in Arizona now, and I've yet to see it. So <laughs> that just tells you like the the disparity in in the in the overall like <laughs> climate of these devices, right, and how they're handling and adapting. It's funny because when you look at BlackBerry, right, they're updating on all fronts. Like we're seeing this pop up store strategy. But we're also seeing like a pretty major update to Bez 12. Did you guys happen to see that? I mean, I could go through the list, but I would literally probably take like five minutes just reading out all the crap that's in it. It's a really interesting update because it basically covers a lot more of the cross-platform uh, cross functionality and brings in a lot of that good acquisition and kind of blends it all in. And this 12.5 update's pretty robust, and uh, I think a lot of people are going to like it. Really like iOS, Android, Samsung Knox, Windows 10, IBM... Uh, you know, Notes Traveler, they've got a lot of different things here and there. 
and the ability to like totally customize now your Bez 12 uh, service control panel is pre it's pretty awesome too. So really some cool stuff going on there as well. I believe Blaze, you posted about some BlackBerry work life solution stuff. Is that a webinar or? Yeah, it's basically an upcoming uh, webinar that they have that covers a lot of the work-life solutions and how to implement them. And um, it covers, like, um, um, basically the BYOD portion of it. So, like, when you have employees, like, say, for example, if I had James and Brandon on my employee list and I was paying them to, you know, use their use their company use their personal devices as company devices. How to essentially go ahead and deal with the billing of that? Um, the work life solution helps uh, employers break it down so that they're not just like generically paying you know the full on cost for uh, employee devices. So it's it's not like I would be saying James, Brandon, I'm gonna go ahead and pay your full monthly bill like. Uh, with work-life solution, you can break it down so that you only have to take care of the business side of what uh, Brandon and James would be using on their devices, and it basically covers uh, that situation because there's a lot of um, uh, a lot of liability that comes with that with when it comes down to like taxes and everything like that in terms of the billing. So the uh, the webinar takes place on July 7th and lasts about an hour long, and it covers. Um, how the reimbursement portion of work life works out and how you can basically analyze the data that is coming from there. As Brandon has noted many times, like it's good to have data, but you need to essentially have a way to be able to go ahead and break down and make sense of that data. And that's what the webinar covers. It covers a lot of that uh, on the work life solution side. So if that is your thing, in terms of the enterprise solution, then it's definitely a webinar that you're going to want to check out because, uh, like I said, there's a, a lot of liability coming up with the BYOD uh, factor that comes into play. So. so I heard something that I thought was pretty interesting, and it ties into this whole BEZ-12 thing. What I heard was that BlackBerry was working on basically going out and using radar for government asset tracking and using the Bez 12 console that's already deployed in a lot of these in, you know these regulated industries to then manage the, the basically your entire cloud infrastructure on your radar so basically taking that blackberry iot initiative and then plugging it into Bez 12 so you've got even more management controls over not over the cell phones that you know people may be transferring assets with but also the assets in transit themselves you know working to really really go hard on that niche for you know the radar system and if they're able to do that and on a, on a broader scale kind of integrate their platforms you can really see Bez 12 adding that layer that Blaze was just talking about right being able to access and look at the data and understand it uh, tying something like that into the management console with Bez 12 in the future was something that could be really really good for them Interested to see because Radar, John Chen talked about launching in mid-July, so as that comes ahead to a head and we have the security summit, we're really going to be hearing a lot about how maybe that all comes together uh, for BlackBerry, so I thought it was pretty interesting. What do you guys think about that, like kind of taking the separate but equal portions of their IoT business and their EMM solution and kind of tying them together? It seems like a very logical step in terms of you know having a, a robust cloud. But in terms of like branding and stuff, do you don't want to have to have Bez 12 just to run BlackBerry Radar either? You know what I'm saying? 
it becomes one of those questions of uh, how locked down do you want your customers to be into your ecosystem? Um, especially now with radar being such a new product, you kind of want to get them in, and it's kind of difficult to uh, to say, okay, if you want radar, you have to get all this other extra stuff that you know if you're not using it, you might not need, right? And I think the key when you have a new product is to ensure that you know they don't need all that extra stuff um, to use it, but you know put it in such a light that maybe through using the product that they want to purchase off of you, they might see the value in using you know Bez 12 to manage it all and, and all that other stuff, right? So I think it's really going to come down to whether they compartmentalize how people purchase radar in relation to the total package and I think uh, I think radar personally as somebody who has experience in logistics and in uh, commercial vehicle goods movement and stuff like that I think it is something that is needed in the marketplace because right now uh, the current solutions are a bit they're not as reliable uh, based on what I see what they're what they're promising seems to be a lot more reliable than what's out there already and it also seems to be a fairly uh, sophisticated way of tracking stuff so those are my thoughts on it. I think that if they keep it separate from requiring Bez and all the other stuff, I think that it could have some good penetration and then eventually lead to sales of of their other other products. And beyond that, right? It also would lead them to licensing. Like, think about what they could do with radar in terms of licensing products. Like, maybe you don't want a BlackBerry branded asset tracking system, but you license the the whole platform and you're able to get it and whitelist it and do whatever you want with it, right? To have an internal... So you know how people will go to, like, AT&T, right? Well, maybe you don't want AT&T to have your data, you know, and, and manage it yeah. for you. Maybe you want to build your own, and BlackBerry seems to be more robust, more secure with better collection and data access. So, I yeah. think it could be a really robust well, thing... Imagine, imagine nice. like this, Brandon. Like you think of the service access fees on BlackBerry OS devices. Now think of radar, and like a service yeah. access fee to access the BlackBerry IoT network for radar. And it's like you're now building yeah. hardware that could build a, you know, a software additive. Really, some interesting stuff. I hope they can uh, expand on it, and, and we hear more in details about what's up with radar and what's coming about. Yeah, it's it'll be interesting to see how they structure how they're gonna charge for radar? Is it going to be on a per device basis and then a subscription like that? Or is it going to be kind of just on a size of the company that they're going to give? Like, I know it's it's fairly customized when they do best pricing and things of that nature, right? But it'll still be, still be interesting to figure out how they do that. Another thing I just thought of right now is that maybe they in the future they could expand um, asset tracking to also be more, like you said, on a smaller scale if a company wants to track their vehicles and stuff like that just so that they can keep tabs on, you know, where, where you know, their little sedans are going all over the place and stuff like that. Yeah, maybe the software could be, yeah, maybe the software could kind of be molded to, to fit that kind of market. That's a good point because, I mean, right now, as we know it with radar, it's sort of like, Schedule to to work with like larger organizations, but there's absolutely no reason as to why it couldn't be scaled down to, you know, smaller organizations as well. Yeah, there's a lot of things that need to be tracked. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I gotta I gotta implant one of those on Alex's arm so we can find out where he's going. Where are, are you in Boston, tracking. Alex? Like, what are you what are you doing? You're at a, a networking event or something? Um, where are we in Boston? 
Waltham, Boston. Uh, Waltham, my buddy was there. Waltham, Massachusetts. Waltham, Massachusetts. <laughs> <laughs> tell, tell your buddy I used to live in Nashua, just across the border in New Hampshire. Okay, yeah, he's familiar with it. Uh, but yeah, just checking out. I haven't been to Boston. I live in Buffalo, and it's quite a bit different here. There's a lot of people, so my Tinder game has been on fleek. I can't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, um, it's I, been... hope, I hope none of them see this. Oh, my God. <laughs> Not cool. only did he oh, say my Tinder game, he also <laughs> said on fleek. <laughs> I, that was a joke. Anyway. Just like um, those eyebrows, Alex. <laughs> Big, sexy Buffalo guys in town. Yeah. So I've just been checking things out. I think we're gonna go to the city tomorrow and or check out Harvard or something or whatever. Harvard. So uh, Harvard's be- really cool, man. When I was in Boston, I loved hanging out by the university. It's it's. A, I don't know. Me personally, going to universities in Canada, it's completely different than the states. In the states, you guys do it up proper. You have, you know, basically a whole town. Like Harvard is basically its own town. It's cool. Yeah. No. It's, MIT. I- yeah, and it's with those prestigious schools. It's it's going to be a little bit different than like local places around where I live. So it'll be nice to kind of see that. And uh, but I don't know. That's pretty much what I'm doing. I'll be back on Tuesday. And uh, unfortunately, I'm not going to be on the after stream, the after show tonight. So you guys better have some fun without me. Oh, I did just finally see Star Wars, so you guys can spoil it like you did the day that you guys saw it or something. <laughs> Yeah, that was like a year ago. Like, what are you talking yeah. about? <laughs> we off that now. <laughs> yeah, um, we're gonna. I saw I saw the uh, the Conjuring two, and I also saw the Shallows, and both were really good. I I thought the Shallows was very good in my opinion. I was uh, surprised, but maybe that's just Blake Lively and me, you know, jiving on that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that that's really why I watched it. Like, let's be honest. But. Uh, <laughs> You know, so Blackberry's, you know, continuing to push forward, right? We have Bez 12.5, work-life solutions. Really interested to see kind of where we're going to head into this uh, July 19th. They t- announced speakers, partners, and topics for the security summit as well. So they're kind of confirmed. Everybody's ready to go. Uh, really, you know, Blaze and I are not necessarily the kind of people who should go to this type of thing, right? It's really like... CIOs and different, you know, IT managers that are yeah. really the ones who sh- who would get a lot out of this, um, the, these types of events. But really, they've got partners from Samsung that are going to be there, their uh, hospital in Grand River, which is in Ontario. They got some other stuff going on with some former uh, CISOs. So it's going to be pretty cool. I'm interested to see. I always liked these little uh, panel type. Uh, discussions that BlackBerry has because you can just see at least that they've really, really seemed to understand the market and at least a way to deploy something into it. So it's always interesting to see kind of how they resell their story each year around the security focus, and they've been doing a really good job over the past couple, so I'm always, I always look forward to these. The last two, I believe, we had acquisitions be announced, so I wonder if we might hear another something or another. Well, according, <laughs> according to Chan, he's done with those. However, the new device rumors do line up with the security summit, so maybe we'll hear at least about one of those devices. It would be it's cool debatable. to like, It would be cool to like hear about it, like it launches and then it's like available in August or something, you know, or yeah, it's available like that. coming soon type thing. Where, and, and I wouldn't even do that, right? People are so so weird. I mean, it. honestly, I don't expect it at this point, given that it is, you know, essentially a security summit. However, it does fall in line with when things should accordingly be announced, but again, 
It's a security summit. Having the de- having the devices there, but not launching the device, would be a smart way to make hype, in my opinion. Yeah. You know, where it's like you know people are going to be talking about it, and then you actually launch it, so you're going to get two waves of kind of volume interaction on it. But you know, wh- whatever they do, I'm still interested to hear about these security summits. There's always a lot of like a lot of conversations going on, right? Like these are the industry's you know best in terms of these areas, so. They've all have a lot in, kind of invested in terms of where BlackBerry is going to go because everybody works off some of these platforms and vice versa, right? So talking with your partners, having them there to speak for you, just keeps everybody calibrated and allows everyone to kind of keep on that same page. So it's something you got to do, right? You got to touch base with the industry and, and your partners and and do all that. Uh, much like Alex, right? You got to go be social to a degree. <laughs> get get out behind the keyboard. Yeah, yeah. So it was good talking to you guys. I'm not going to see you on the after show, of course, but. I'm going to actually download this podcast and listen to it on the drive home on Tuesday, so this will be interesting. <laughs> it's like the first episode I wasn't here the entire time, so uh, hopefully you, you still made it in. Send yeah, me, still record, send me the after show so I can listen to that too. Word. You guys better be fun, entertaining. Yeah, so. we'll definitely make tons of fun of you. So. I don't know, Alex. Did you sign up for the Patreon? I think I deserve it at this point. Leave me alone. Right, I'll talk to you guys later. You better start donating some money since you're not no, here, buddy. No, you guys, you guys owe me money. Leave me alone. I'll talk to you guys later. <laughs> right, bye, I'll, Alex. I'll pay for Barry Flow bye, later. <laughs> oh, yeah, Boston. Yeah. Later. Right. yeah, bye. Surprised on the video quality there, actually, to be yeah, quite honest. Uh, yeah, and his audio. His audio was on point. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie though. The video quality leaves a bit to uh, the negative side. You know? Yeah, pretty sure. But the, the audio though was very good. Yeah. Considering. Go BlackBerry. That's go how I'm gonna it. do all my podcasts when I get my proof. Yeah, I, I could. <laughs> I'm, gonna like, loca- I'm, I'm gonna be on the street on location, tracking down people with BB10s, being like, "Hey." I'm doing this podcast right now about BlackBerry, and um, <laughs> you want to just come say hi, like show that you are alive and exist in this world. <laughs> yeah, let's oh, let's man. jump on this after show. I want to talk a little bit more about this pop up strategy, and uh, we we t- touched on it a little bit, but I want to kind of go back on it and really have a, a more you know opinionated discussion on it, where we can throw some shade on BlackBerry on the wall. <laughs> Do it. Sounds good. As always, blow your hands off with fireworks and don't drink and drive. Right, (laughs) don't drink and drive. That's one of the major ones, right? Uber and Lyft, they're out there. Give a call. It's worth it for sure. Um, I'll send you my referral code so I can get some kickback. But uh, (laughs) (laughs) take it easy. We'll catch you on episode 107 that is going to air a week from today on the 10th of July. Y'all take it easy. Happy 4th. Take it easy.